We all know that I love making and recording my own podcast. Loudmouth is my heart and soul. But what's even more fun is that it's easy to do. And guess what? (laughs) You can do one too. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. You can make money from it with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast right there in one place for free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hi, hello, and welcome back to Loudmouth Podcast, the show about everything and nothing all at once. I'm your host, the one and only host of Loudmouth, Madison Hadler. Okay, this is my fourth time starting this recording, so I swear if it does not work, I'm going to be very mad. I don't know why, but I've had some bad luck with my recording technologies and editing technologies and everything these past couple of weeks, and I'm going to really need to turn that around because Mercury isn't even in retrograde, so technology should not be failing me right now, but we're going to get through this podcast, okay? We're going to do it. Um, as you guys have probably noticed, I haven't had a guest on in a couple of weeks, and that's mainly just due to having to schedule and reschedule and get everything in line and everything like that. So I'm sorry that you've had to deal with just me, but also I feel like it's quality time, you know? We haven't had some one-on-one chats for a minute, you know? I feel like this is good for us. Really nice to reconnect with you all. And especially because recently a lot of my podcasts have been about political things going on. And I absolutely love doing that for you guys because I have a political science degree and you know I use it but not as much as I would love to and I like being able to explain what's going on and talk to you guys about it and show you guys how you can help how you can sign petitions how you can donate money protest all that fun stuff so I hope that you guys are enjoying it as much as I do but do know that guests will be coming in the next couple of weeks that I'm very very excited about but for now, quality time between the loud mouth and the noisy mouths or the loud mouthers. You guys, I usually call you the loud mouthers, so we'll stick to that. But this week we're talking about more political things. Woo hoo. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard not to talk about political things or be political in daily life anymore because they're, I mean, politics have always been intertwined, but especially with COVID, even though it shouldn't be a political issue, it is, and then everything else that's kind of fucked up and going on in our world. So we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to talk today, especially about the state of Texas. Now, before we go into the state of Texas, I want us all to take a minute and recognize that it is the leaders of Texas doing these things. And it is the redlining and the voter suppression, and everything else that could fall into it, making these things happen. I know it's so easy for us to look on Texas and be ashamed and be so sad, whatever, and to blame the people of Texas. And while, of course, there are people of Texas, super conservatives, whatever they are, that are actively fighting against rights, 
There are also millions and hundreds and thousands, okay, maybe not millions, but thousands and thousands of people who are actively fighting to keep the rights. And we have to remember that voter suppression is the number one evil player at set in states like Texas and even states like Missouri, although we're less, we're a little more purple at times, we are definitely still a red state. And it's easy for us to blame the people living in these states and for not doing enough or whatever it is. But we have to remember that there are a lot of factors at play here. So I just want to make that little clarification before we get into this that I am not hating on the people of Texas. I'm just explaining what the motherfucker Greg Abbott is doing and explaining how we can help from the sidelines and things like that. So as we all know, our world is quite literally falling apart. Um, There are hurricanes, flooding, fires, viruses, and of course, the man I just mentioned, Greg Abbott. So Greg Abbott, for those of you who don't know, is the governor of Texas and just kind of a, a shitty man. He has been spearheading the voter restrictions in Texas, the last the lack of mask mandates and even the pro pro oh my god prohibition <laughs> that's not the word I'm going for even prohibiting mask mandates to be in place and of course what we're going to talk about today is the abortion ban so just last week a bill that banned abortions after about 6 weeks of pregnancy that includes no exceptions involving rape or incest went into place this law also known as SB8 allows private citizens to sue abortion providers and let anyone else who helps a pregnant person obtain an abortion. This includes people who provide financial assistance or even give them a ride to the clinic. So what does this mean for Texas? How does this affect everyone else? And how did this even come to be? Because, I mean, a couple months ago we were talking about SBA and people were talking about trying to stop it, but why all of a sudden is it now in place and allowed to happen? So that's what we're going to talk about today. So this law, SB8, bans abortions as soon as cardiac activity is detectable which is usually before anyone even knows they're pregnant, even if they're actively trying to get pregnant. Uh, There was a tweet I saw of a woman doing IVS, which is super monitored, like you give yourself shots to get pregnant, all that kind of stuff, and you're going to doctors pretty much once a week. And they barely even detected her pregnant at six weeks. So that's just one example that goes to show that most people don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks and honestly not until a couple weeks afterwards. According to the abortion providers who are suing to block SB8, at least, at least 85% of abortions in Texas take place after the sixth week of pregnancy. These abortions are now illegal under this law. The law violates the ruling in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which was ruled in 1992, which protects the right of a woman to choose to have an abortion before viability and to obtain it without undue in- interference from the state. Now, I'm not the one putting the word, word woman in there. That's exactly the um, wording that was put in the decision making. So, again, I want to make clear here that 
women are not the only people who can get pregnant. So from further on out, we will be referring to these people as people who have the ability to get pregnant or people who are pregnant, anything like that. So other states have definitely tried to do this, even Missouri. But these states have been stopped by federal courts and pro-choice groups. So why has this one seemed to go through? Because this law focuses on an individual to bring a civil lawsuit against abortion providers or anyone else found to aid illegal abortions, it doesn't require public officials to enforce the law. This law is specifically designed to sail through the legal system because it goes through all the normal ways it could legally be objective. Although other GOP-led states have passed similar measures, they have all been blocked by courts. Texas's, Texas's version differs significantly because it slowly leaves enforcement to private citizens who can sue abortion providers who violate the law. Anyone who successfully sues an abortion provider could be awarded at least $10,000. In preparation for this, the Texas Right to Life has set up a site where you can submit anonymous tips about anyone they believe is violating the law. This website has the amazing name of ProLifeWhistleblower.com. In my personal opinion, a very long website. I don't know who came up with that. Well, I do, but you know what I'm saying. Right when the website came out and before it was fully banned on GoDaddy, it was having quote-unquote technical difficulties. And if you typed in that website, it redirected you to a Texas Right to Life's main website, which always allows people to submit info about potential violations of the new law. But on Friday, September 3rd, GoDaddy officially said the site had violated its privacy policies that bar the sharing of third-party personal information, including data related to medical issues such as abortion. Now this site sits on a domain called Epic that is known for its anything-goes attitude, this domain has allowed servicing sites that others have deplatformed because of hate speech, like Achan. But even they contract contacted the website to talk about its potential violation of its rules because of the collection of medical data about people getting abortions. They said, We contacted the owner of the domain who agreed to disable the collection of user submissions on this domain. TikTokers took... That's fun to say. TikTokers took to flood the website with various claims, including things about Shrek, random reportings, and everything in between. But Texas Right to Life spokeswoman Kimberly Schwartz said that they expected people to try and overwhelm the site with fake tips, adding that, quote unquote, we're thankful for the publicity to the website that's coming from all this chatter about it. Like, hun, it's not good publicity. She explained that the tipster website was mainly symbolic since anyone can report a violation and abortion clinics seem to be following and complying with the law. Greg Abbott went on to defend the law by saying that he would, quote unquote, eliminate all rapists from the streets since it does allow, allow exemption from rape cases. And this literally happened yesterday. I kid you not. Um, people were grilling him about the no exceptions and things like that. And he backed it up falsely by saying that he was going to eliminate rapists in the streets of Texas so that wouldn't even be a worry. His comments are confusing to me because they certainly do not seem to reflect the realities of this law. 
said Amy Jones, the chief executive director of the Dallas Area Rape Crisis Center. Recent surveys by the U.S. Department of Justice Justice found that most rapes go unreported to police, including a 2019 survey that found about one in three victims reporting they were raped or sexually assaulted. The Justice Department has said it will not tolerate violence against anyone who is trying to obtain an abortion in Texas as federal officials explore options to challenge the law. We all know that this is bad, of course. We understand that. But what's even worse is that our Supreme Court has allowed it with a 5-4 to four majority. The anti-abortion law was before the Supreme Court in a case called Whole Woman's Health versus Jackson. A coalition of abortion providers, advocacy groups, and private individuals filed this lawsuit challenging SB8 and seek to block it before it took effect. The lawsuit names a hodgepodge of defendants, including Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who has some power to bring enforcement actions against abortion providers after a court deters that such a provider violated SB 8. The lawsuit also names a Texas judge and a clerk of a Texas court on the theory that private lawsuits filed under SB 8 will be heard by Texas courts and thus courts officials are the proffered defendants under Young. Although lawsuits against judges are typically disfavored, the Supreme Court did establish in Supreme Court of VA versus the consumers of United States in 1980 that judges may sometimes be sued if there's no other way to challenge a state law. The majority opinion was unsigned and consisted of a single long paragraph. It said that abortion providers who challenged the law in an emergency application to the court had not made their case in the face of, quote-unquote, complex and novel procedural questions. The majority stressed that it was not ruling on the constitutionality of the Texas law and did not mean to limit, quote-unquote, procedurally proper challenges to it. This law presents a maze of procedural complexities that are rarely seen even in the most complicated litigation. The law appears to have been drafted intentionally to frustrate lawsuits challenging its constitutionality. And Texas, with an assist from a right-wing appellate court, has thus far manipulated the litigation processes to prevent any judge from considering whether SB8 is lawful. So all that's to say is that basically SB8 was drafted to prevent courts from reviewing it. A Texan who objects to SB8 has essentially no one that they can sue to stop it from taking effect since it's private citizens making a claim against abortion providers. Ex parte Young was a 1908 decision in which the Supreme Court established that someone who wants to raise a constitutional challenge to a state law can sue the state officer trying to enforce that law and obtain a court order to prevent them from doing so. But since SBA enforces through private civil actions, the pro-choice people cannot sue the state directly, so there is no path to follow through. The law specifically writes that any person other than an officer or employee of a state or local government entity in the state of Texas, can file a lawsuit. So anyone who does not work for the state, any civilian, anything like that, can 
sue an abortions provider. But since it makes sure that no officer or nobody that works for the state can sue, that protects them from ex parte young because there's no one that pro-choice people can sue since they're not the ones upholding the law, technically. Now, this doesn't mean that the law can't be challenged at all because I know it sounds daunting, it sounds terrible, and it is, don't get me wrong, but that's not to say that it couldn't be challenged. It just technically hasn't yet. Abortion providers can argue in court that they should not be required to pay this $10,000 bounty because it's unconstitutional. But they do so with the threat of having to pay such a bounty to anyone who brings a lawsuit against them. Even if abortion providers prevail in all of these suits, they will still have to pay for lawyers to defend themselves in courts. And the suits seeking a bounty under SBA will likely be numerous and endless because literally any person who is not a Texas state official can file such a suit. If the federal courts ultimately allow this law to stand, it is very likely that other conservative states will move to pass similar laws. Sego, with the Texas Right to Life, said his organization is working with activists in multiple states who are eager to replicate this model if it succeeds in blocking access to most abortions in Texas. It is still a bit untested. We're still working on what these lawsuits are going to look like if the industry decides to break the law, Sego says. So it is a new model that we're seeking and testing out. Now, this law disproportionately affects Texans of color who face high rates of maternal morality, people with the fewest resources, young people, and people who live in rural areas. If you have been following along, you have probably seen the arguments about it being compared to The Handmaid's Tale, which is a post-apocalyptic dystopia type book and then turned movie. And a lot of people are pretty mad about that. And this is because the law majorly hits people who live in poverty and people of color more than white people and especially white women. Um, I've seen numerous arguments about this by women of color saying that 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 metaphor, that analogy needs to be put to an end. Comparing this to The Handmaid's Tale and dressing up as the book is appealing to some but it also plays a part in aligning the reality that women like Elizabeth Moss's Heroic June, which is to say white middle-class professionals with the resources, will probably have access to safe abortions no matter what happens to Roe v. Wade and this SB-8. The show doesn't reflect the reality of which people disproportionately affected by anti-abortion and anti-reproductive health legislation. Poor people who can get pregnant, Latinx and black people, queer folks, and women trapped in abusive situations. Melanie McFarland, Salon TV's critic, said, Sadly, though, a likely reason that television and mainstream film studios haven't placed major backing behind politically relevant dystopic dystopic visions centering people of color is for the very same reason that The Handmaid's Tale is popular. Dystopias depicting white characters appeal to the target audience's darkest fantasies about being threatened by a world through which they can otherwise move safely. 
So when we're talking and advocating for this bill to be dropped, we have to remember, especially white women out there, that we are still privileged in this. We still have more access than our fellow black and Latina friends. And we can also not forget that this law doesn't just impact women. It impacts anyone with the ability to get pregnant. It's easy for us to sit here and relate this to a dystopic, dystopic? There we go. Dystopic film and movie and book because, you know, we've never faced this repressive of a bill or a law before. But we forget that it, you know, oppresses us, but it also majorly oppresses the people who have already been oppressed throughout years of legislation and law. And it only adds a second coat, a second layer onto that. So although it might be symbolic and it might make sense to relate it to A Handmaid's Tale, we can't forget that just because now that it's including white women, we're going to be all gun-ho about this. And white women have done that for years and years and years. And we know this, and I know this as a white woman, that it's easy for us to take our own ideals and assume in the minute that we feel oppressed, we run with it. And we forget about all of those people who have been disproportionately represented before us. So as we're pushing and as we're moving and mobilizing this movement against against SB8, let's uplift the voices who have already been disproportionately affected by this law or by the laws before it. We can't forget about those people that maybe aren't seen as visibly because we're pushing them aside and because we're worried about our rights and our access to things as white women. I'm going to be putting a couple petitions and resources and all my sources that I got this from down in the show notes. So make sure to sign petitions, donate if you can. If there's any protests around you, make sure that you go out and support safely. Obviously, wear your mask, be vaccinated, all that fun stuff. But it's crazy to see these things happening in real time that, you know, we could never see before or that we thought that we would never see before. So we have to remember in this time that we are all working for the same cause and we need to uplift the people of color's voices before our own as white people. We have to remember that they are already being disproportionately affected by racism, by economic systems, by everything before that. And this is only another oppressor onto them. And we have to stick up for them and use our voice to uplift theirs. So Make sure you check out the show notes. I know we have been really political heavy over here, but I hope this kind of explains why this law has made it so far and why the Supreme Court has approved it. Although it is unconstitutional, it has gotten through because of its major complexities and it has been researched and studied by all these right to life people who are funnily enough anti-maskers, but we won't get into that yet. Um... But we have to remember that this law is complex and it's hard to understand. So we have to do our best to educate everyone about it to make sure that they understand why it's being pushed past so easily. And we have to fight and fight and fight again and sit with our abortion providers, give them money, donate to them so that they can fight these lawsuits. And we must not let our voices be forgotten in all of this. So make sure you're doing the work, make sure you're doing the research and trying to educate yourself in the best way possible because it can be, it can definitely be so confusing and I want you guys to understand what's going on so that we can actively fight against it and make it make sense to those who totally 
don't know what's happening and put it in terms that are easy to understand because that's one of the biggest things especially around laws is that they reword it in these ways to where I'm going to say common folk to where common folk don't get what's going on. So, of course, they're going to find ways to support it. Of course, they're going to not understand what's happening. So they're going to feel lost and not want to fight it because they don't totally get what's going on. So it's important that we stay educated and that we try to educate in simple terms, make it understandable for everyone so that we can all fight against this and hopefully stop the oppression that has been going on for years and years, but is only really coming to major turnabout now because of things like voter restriction and Greg Abbott literally yesterday restricted votes even more and if you want me to talk about that I will I definitely need to do my own little research into it because what he does never makes sense to me and I need to look into it a little bit more but if you guys want an episode about that I will gladly do some research out for that and to all my friends in Texas or from Texas, just know that we are standing with you, and we hear you, and if you ever need somewhere to go, Missouri isn't much better on abortion laws, but if you ever need help, if you ever need a ride, or anything, or money, let me know. I don't have a lot, but I would love to give it to you, Um, but I want you to know that you're supported, that you're listened to, and that we are going to fight the good fight, and make sure that your voices are heard and make sure that abortions are seen as accessible and and good health care because that's ultimately what it is. And at the end of the day, this law isn't going to stop abortions. It's not. It's not going to stop abortions. It's going to stop safe abortions. And we're going to see high rates of mortality even higher than we already see um, because we are not allowing access to safe abortions. So just something to think about, something to ponder. Make sure you check out the show notes, everything like that. Let me know if you want to hear more about the voting restrictions that Greg Abbott is putting in place. Let me know if there's any other political issues that you don't totally understand that you want me to put in my as simple as I can terms and make it make sense as much as I can to you. Um, You can follow me and request those things on Instagram at loudmouthpod or you can also go to my Twitter at loudmouth underscore pod everything like that all my links are in the bio and will be linked down below make sure you rate this podcast and go out there and be loud my friends I love you guys I'm here for you if you need anything let me know especially my dear friends in Texas and I will talk to you all next week bye